0: Welcome to All Aspects, a podcast where we explore, discuss, and celebrate adventure culture and outdoor lifestyle. It is our mission to educate, inform, and entertain our fellow adventurers about the inherent risks that surround us every time we go outside to play, and to provide you with the knowledge and tools to help you do the things you love the most in the safest way possible. All Aspects is brought to you by Aspect Abbey. Aspect Abbey is on a mission to save lives by making Avalanche safety simple. It is the only app that tells you where the high and low risk zones are for today's Avalanche danger. With a suite of built-in tools like forecast verification, slope meter, and gear checklist, Aspect Abbey is the new safety standard for Avalanche risk management. Remember, there are dozens of apps that get you into the backcountry, but there is only one that's designed to bring you home, and that's Aspect Abbey. Go to aspectabbey.com to learn more or download the app to start your 30-day free trial. Thank you Aspect Avery for making this show possible and thank
1: you for listening. All right
0: let's get to the show. All right Jeff welcome to the first episode of the All Aspects podcast.
1: Thanks Dave I'm psyched to be here. Thanks for being my co-host how are you feeling about it? I'm excited. I am excited to talk about all things avalanche and snow related. That's kind of what gets me excited. Heck yeah that's that's how I'm feeling
0: about it too. Well in light of Colorado's this like this winter that we're having already. Yeah, and it's not
1: just Colorado. It's the whole western U.S. It's that's remarkable.
0: Try. And we're already having, like, what, hundreds of reported avalanches in December? Yeah. In Colorado and then, like, beyond probably closer to a 1,000. Yeah, the
1: season's starting with a bang. Like, yeah. A lot of high Going danger and a lot of considerable days. Yeah, a lot of near misses. What was the last? I mean, did we get into high danger right off the bat in December last year? You know, I think it came in around Christmas time where okay. we had the big atmospheric river, as they call it, where the fire hose right, right, from right. Hawaii just started <laughs> blast in the West. <laughs> that's,
0: yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. so we beat it a little bit this year on yeah. High Danger. This is an
1: exceptional start, and when you have exceptional conditions, we need to act differently than what we usually do.
0: Totally. Okay, yeah. so in light of that, yeah. I figured it could be of service to anyone listening to this and also myself to... Kind of just go over the different avalanche problems uh talk about kind of each problem and how dangerous it is and what like ways to identify it things yep. to look out for you know like that general and stuff. this is
1: a really complex topic so what totally. i would like to do is how can we make it as simple as possible love that so that's like sense. hey what can i do that's actionable so yeah. i can stay safe when i read the bulletin and it says persistent uh, right. slab or wet slab
0: yes Okay, yeah. that's what I what need. What the
1: heck do I do with that? Right. Yeah.
0: So, and I feel like I have I'm someone who's like pretty visual, so I have the the like images in my head yeah. of the, the little, little icons, yeah. But I'm wondering if I actually have the correct understanding. Let's find out. Let's H1. dive in. So, Where how do you want to do this? What do you like what's your normal like cuz you teach guide courses, you teach abby courses like Where do you start with people? when I'm
1: teaching a guide course for the AMGA, like a ski guides course, or uh, say an avalanche course, like an airy course, uh, what I'll usually do is start off with a good icebreaker and say, hey, we've got nine avalanche problems, pull one out of the hat, and now the group needs to get to know each other a little bit and organize themselves from least dangerous to most dangerous... And then turn it over to them because there's not really a right or wrong answer. There's some generalizations, but also like, what's the spirit animal associated with each avalanche problem? Is this is this an angry fox or is this a mountain lion that's stalking? So oh, so
0: like like a danger like how dangerous their spirit Yeah, exactly. Is. Okay, so not yeah. like a dolphin.
1: Yeah, is this a great white shark or, or a dolphin? You <laughs> okay. know, like, is this playful and friendly avalanche problem that's easier to manage and lower risk? Okay. Or is this the kind of thing that wipes out large groups of people, you know, remotely triggered from the flats? That might be like a mountain lion or a great white shark, the, something the like that. Yeah, exactly. The ambush predators? Exactly, yeah, world. the apex predator that you gotcha. never see coming. Until it's too late. Yeah, smack.
0: Okay, yeah. okay, I like it. So then how do you, so... Try, how do you, what do you think is the best way to do this then?
1: Well, I'll tell you what, why don't we collaborate on it? Okay. We've got nine of them and it'll be real tough for me to remember like number seven, eight, nine, that kind of deal. Great. But we'll see how it goes. But I think maybe first starting off is dry loose and that's also called sloughing. And that usually happens when we've got a big storm, and it's really light powder. And you can think of it as being like at a sand dune at the beach or something like that. And it's the angle of repose, meaning like the crystals are stacked up, and then they just tinkle off, and they kind of entrain more. It's not a slab. Right. Meaning,
0: it's just that top surface that's like that's just yep. pop, pulling away. And
1: you know how you can tell is, is if you hold it in your hand, it's loose and it just kind of shakes through your fingers. Right, right, right. Where a slab sticks together and it's like a chunk of birthday cake. Right. So these are two types of avalanches. When you have dry loose, there is no slab and it rolls down the mountain and grabs more snow and takes it with you, like at a sand pit or at the beach or sand dunes. Right. It'd be very similar to that. So this is kind of like having a fox Right. In that's your like backyard. that's pretty manageable. It
0: Unless is. Unless fox is like rabies. Exactly. <laughs> then it's like probably not going to mess you up.
1: Yeah, and the place it could mess you up is if you're in extreme terrain, so that's over 40 degrees. Right. Terrain where you will not stop if you fall. You'll start tomahawking. Start rolling with... Yeah, and this (laughs) is the kind of stuff you see in ski movies in Alaska. Right. Where the snow is rolling down, and they can get quite large if you're on really big, steep faces. But let's be honest. Like, most of us, we're not skiing 50-degree spines in Alaska. Not yet. So (laughs) this is a problem that we'll rarely encounter. And when we do... It's very consistent, so you could be on a road cut where it's quite steep and just give it a little push and see the snow roll down and be like, oh, yeah, it's sloughing, and that's what they said in the avalanche report. Oh, yeah, that's what to look out for.
0: Right on. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's pretty much the lowest we're gonna Lowest s- risk problem, lowest, easiest to manage. Uh, yeah, yeah, lowest management, or uh, what am I trying to say? The easiest spirit animal to manage yeah, in the in the avalanche animal
1: kingdom. Oh, down. look at that cute little foxy! I kind of want to play with it, but don't, I probably should. Don't shouldn't. feed him the hot I th- probably th- should. Yeah, exactly.
0: Okay, so then, yeah. so if that's the fox, yeah, then let's go to, I don't know, pitch me one. Let's see what. All I-
1: right. Well, well, maybe we can come up with the animal together, but maybe wet loose. Mm. Now this one can be kind of like cement, right. so it's a little more dangerous because if you get ski if you ski into a loose wet. It's really hard to get out of it, but you can often kind of stomp this at the top of the slope and it'll start to dribble and it'll get bigger and bigger. And if you're on a large, steep slope, like over 40 degrees, like extreme terrain, double black diamond terrain, if you're familiar with like being an Ascira, that can really get moving. And by the time it entrains all the other wet snow on the surface, angry coyote. Sure. You know, occasionally you'll read about a wild story where, like, a coyote attacked a person. Right. But it they're very predictable because um, you're like, oh, the snow's gotten really wet and slurpy, and it's losing cohesion, and it'll often be on the same slope angle as well where it'll shed off. So particularly, like, if you have, like a like, springtime skiing, we've got crust, like, frozen corn snow, and then we get some new snow on top, and it starts to get wet in the sun and getting hot – and then it just can't stick to the crust anymore. It goes and, and that's just
0: on. literally because the the upper part of the snow is heating up.
1: Yeah, it's cooler, losing strength, and
0: so it's just getting more and more. And if it's sitting on a against crust,
1: itself. it's like a smooth right. wood floor <laughs> right, right, where it's right. where you can go like skate around in your socks, you know, that kind of deal. Okay, there's but, not. It's hard for it to stick to it.
0: But the reason it's a coyote is because that's that's one of those snow conditions where, like, it's easy to identify when you're in it. Yeah, but it's also like, hey, a warmer storm's coming through, or something like that. Is that also like an easier? Well, event, it could be a rain
1: event. Anytime you got water moving through the snowpack. Okay. Yeah. So let's say it starts off at cold powder, but it's heating up, and War- the sun's like coming. Warm out. three days.
0: Yeah. Then yep. all of a sudden, boom. And
1: then it'll dribble off.
0: Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Hmm. All right. Cool. I like that. Yeah. The uh, here. Let me let me throw one over at you. Sure. Ooh, let's do wind slab. Okay. Because this one, to me, like, I don't actually, I'm curious to see what you think the spirit animal of this is, because wind slab to me seems like it has to be an animal that you you know is dangerous, okay. but you can see it.
1: Yeah. And you generally... Yeah. Talk more about that. Why is it that you can see this animal or see wind slabs?
0: Well, okay. So basically wind slab is, is where you have like a ridge or a peak or whatever, and all the winds come and ripping over, and that's when you get wind loading.
1: Right? Yeah. It's taken from one side and, and depositing on the other. Dumping yeah. it all in there. Yeah.
0: And so, you know, it's easy to see when you're out there. Yeah, you
1: see the texture change.
0: Yeah, you can see it in the snow. You can also see, like, the other side. If you're going up a peak, you're like, oh, well, that side is bare. Yeah,
1: and often you can feel it with your skis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or your board or your snowmobile. And now it's slabby. It's like a birthday cake. Right. We got the the cake on the bottom with icing in the middle and cake on the top. And it's cracking and it's breaking. And you're like, oh, whoa. These are really clear warning signs. And so it's all... It's it's not super hidden, right? And even looking at things like the weather, you'll see like
0: oh, we had winds coming from the west. So, so, it's so probably like load on the east. the east side yeah, is exactly. So like yeah. what what's the spirit animal on this one like like a like a bison? <laughs> <laughs> Cuz you can see it coming like, a mile away. Cuz it's
1: okay unless you go mess with it. Yeah, yeah, you know, I like that one. I'll go with bison. Is that cool? Yeah, and here's the tricky thing. Like um, you know, if it's a baby bison, it's pretty small and you know, it could hurt you. Like but some
0: wind loading. Yep. Isn't exactly. the same as. But if you've got a <laughs> lot
1: of wind loading, you yeah. could have very large avalanches. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And then you could have some uh, circumstances where you have wind slab on the top sitting on top of old junky rotten sugar snow mm, right the dreaded so persistent you, weak layer right
0: so then you get into like the old snow problem
1: exactly with. and then it's like a herd of bison <laughs> and you and may see like, it from a, even. yeah you might see it from a distance and be able to trigger it from a distance and they're stampeding at you and it's quite large right and you know this is where it gets really complex and a lot of times forecasters will struggle with you know, do we call this a wind slab or do we call it a persistent slab? Mm. And usually there's a time component in there. Sure. But you'll often read in the report, they're like, oh, it's the wind slab is resting on an old snow layer. Right. And this is often when you'll get uh, natural triggers from the loading because the wind can load so much faster than snow can fall from the sky. Right. So you could have a three foot wind slab at ridgetop that overwhelms that old snow weak layer. And you get these huge rippers, right? Just because it like buckles, and then the whole thing goes. You got it. Okay. So, so it's the nature doesn't like to get put in boxes, right? And I wish of it was simpler. <laughs> yeah, trying to label Mother Nature. Yeah, but if basically if you have wind slabs sitting on a hard surface, it may not be that reactive. It may not crack. It may not break off, even on really steep slopes. Hmm. But if you have wind slab, which is hard and dense and thick, and you can hold it in your hand easily. You're like, oh, this is a slab of birthday cake. And it's sitting on really weak, soft snow. And that could be light, fluffy powder, or it could be old sugar. Hmm. Then it can be really big, and you could trigger it from large distances away, or it might even go naturally. Then it's a lot harder to predict and usually a lot more dangerous.
0: I guess I've never really thought about it until right now, but with wind slab, do you ever get you know, wind loading that then results in low risk snowpack? Does that really exist or is it? Yeah,
1: there's some uh, zones like I remember skiing in Argentina and Chile where it just be tons and tons of wind. So it'd just be wind slab on top of wind slab on like the top of wind season. slab for at least the times that I was there for weeks at a time. And so you didn't get a lot of light, fluffy powder. You skied a lot of firm, kind of chalky, grippy. It was almost like skiing on corduroy. Okay. And it was a little spooky. And most of the time, there wasn't a soft, weak layer. It was just hard snow on top of hard snow. So if you go through the hand hardness scale, and this is getting really dorky, but some people might know this. uh, When you're doing a snow pit, you take your fist, do it with me. All right, you're going to press on your nose until it hurts. Oh, right there. Back off. So that's the amount of pressure. So for powder, it's just fist. And you're like, oh, that's good skiing. And then wind slab will often be forefinger. And that is poor riding unless you're a snowboarder. And then you've got an advantage. You're like, ah, suck (laughs) it, skiers. (laughs) You're not going to have one leg pulled over. And if you're on a snowmobile, you'd be like, oh, it was... You know, face shots and big rooster tails, now it's not so much. And mm. Now I might be riding on a top or kind of intermittently breaking through. That oh, kind I of see. Right on. And if you're snowshoeing, you're kind of post-holing, <laughs> and it's not that pleasant. <laughs> okay. You know? Yeah. And then when you get down to one finger, that's getting really firm wind slab. And you can certainly get in that. And then the next step down is pencil. That's really firm.
0: And that's almost, I mean, like, that's not even going to be super fun to ride. Nope. Because you're just going to be crusting around.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes you're lucky because it's smooth and consistent and really firm. Right. But the problem is if we're doing a big line, we don't, uh, it's not practical to dig 10 pits mm. every 100 vertical meters. To be like, hey, is there a soft layer under this rock hard slab that I'm riding on? Yeah. So, you know, it's often everything's good until it isn't. And so that can... If you have uh, variability over the snowpack over time, over space, rather, spatial variability is kind of a catchy word in the snow business world. That just means the snowpack's different here than it is over there. Sure. And it's always variable. But um, in some snow climates, you can have so much wind consistently that it's just rock hard snow. And the only way that would bite you is if you had this intermittent weak layer, you know, Mm. soft. Like, a, like pencil over fist would be a really bad combo.
0: That's interesting. I like all the touring I've ever done has been in Colorado. Yep. So for me, like wind slab, is, like, is it's a, bad is yeah, you're <laughs> yeah. like, you're like, it's a certain way. Cause it's usually sitting ne- on top of like, either powder yeah. or sugar. Like yeah, yeah. sugar
1: is just facets, right? Totally. Yeah.
0: And yeah. like, so that's really interesting to hear that you, you know, Argentina or somewhere else, it's like not, it's not a no go necessarily.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it would be factored into the equation, but it's not automatically a, a like stop because you're just like Hugh. the snow is just really hard, pencil all the way through, yeah. and <laughs> we're just going to ride around on top on the chalk, and it can actually be pretty good riding. Sure, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, in a different snow climate. Yeah,
0: less so. so maybe to sum more it all moisture up, in that snow then. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Okay. Yep. yep. Very, uh, possibly. Yep. Not always, but yeah, you're closer to the ocean and you get a lot of sure. wind and so, stuff. Yeah. But um, you know, to sum it up. Uh, wind slab is usually easy to spot on the surface. Sure. You can see the texture and you can feel the change in texture as you're traveling over it. And you're like, Oh, okay. Just got punchy. Yep. And one thing to look out for is the avalanche bulletin blocks out the critical danger zones where the problem's likely to be found in the black, in the black. Yep. And it's like the aerial view of the volcano. Hmm. So you're looking at 24 different pie wedges. And it's really hard to remember it in your head. And the example I think you said was, hey, if the wind's coming from the west, it probably loaded on the east, right? However, the wind can funnel through valleys. Swirl around. Exactly, and do really weird stuff. So keep in mind that the avalanche forecast is a model. Right. And models can be useful, but we're always going to lose some accuracy to make them simpler. Right. And they can't pick up all these little subtle nuances of the of the snowpack that changes over the terrain. Well,
0: and so, there can't be a forecaster on every aspect of exactly. every... Exactly, like, yeah, yeah. Like that would just be totally and, and
1: to be fair, like, let's think about it. The weather, you know, we've all been caught out without a raincoat because it said 0% oh. chance of rain. And a thunderstorm goes off, we're like, what the heck just happened? Yeah. And it's like, there's always going to be... Unpredictability because it's not a now cast, mm. it's a forecast. And so if the weather forecast is off, that's a huge red flag for us to be like, hey, there's a good chance this avalanche forecast could be off too. And the forecasting has gotten so much better in the last couple decades. However, it will never be perfect. So we, as backcountry riders, whether we're a fat biker or snowmobile or border, you know, we need to be active participants in testing the avalanche forecast. Every day we're out there. Right, don't
0: take, don't take the word for it. Yeah. Like it's really good, but we still need, we're still the ones on that slope.
1: Yeah, and they keep in mind, one of, the, one of Europe's leading avalanche forecast centers that has an incredible amount of data points and a huge amount of funding, they're saying they're wrong about 20% of the time. Hmm. And they're not holding keggers and raffles and bake sales to fund their avalanche center.
0: Like in Switzerland or
1: something? (laughs) We'll just say it's in Europe. Okay. Central Europe in the Alps. Yeah. We'll let her ride it there. So keep in mind that we need to be active in testing the hypothesis, testing the mental model of the avalanche forecaster and saying, oh, hey, the winds came from the west. We can expect the east slopes to be loaded up with wind slab. However... Don't be shocked on southeast or northwest if we find wind slab because the way it funnels through the terrain. Give it some birth. Yeah. And and be ready to make our observations.
0: Yeah, I think I like that.
1: Yeah. And then, you know, this is a shameless product plug for the app for Aspect Avi, but, you know, that verify the forecast comes up and, right. you know, hey, are we seeing rapid loading from wind? Are we seeing shooting cracks? These are obvious clues that a lay person can answer. Right. And if it does, it'll update the forecast on your phone and change the map. Instead, if we might have been at low, and so now we have very little red But we note. got a shooting crack. Yep. And now we're well, we we like so update the forecast. We verify the forecast and say, oh, hey, we got a shooting crack, sign of instability. And it'll update to considerable because we need to localize the forecast for underfoot for where we are. Right. For the live conditions we're experiencing.
0: Right. Because all it matters is like, well, what's going on?
1: Right here. Right now. On
0: this face. Yeah. Like what we're about to see. And the forecast
1: zone could be very, very large. True. And it's a generalized forecast Mm. and we need to localize it for where we are. Right. And I'll do that as a professional, five, six times a tour.
0: Just mentally, you'll be like, okay.
1: No, because I've got too much to manage, managing my group of people and the day's objectives so I rely on the app as a oh, checklist just like a pilot, nowadays, I seriously. Yeah, even if I have a pilot who's yeah. been flying for two decades, they still go through the checklist, of course, because we need to offload brain dump if you will, a lot of that cognitive load because it's too much to carry in my head even as a professional doing it for a couple decades. Right. Like I rely on those checklists uh, to make sure that I haven't forgotten anything.
0: That uh, makes a lot of sense. It is a lot to,
1: well, I guess like that's literally why all these
0: systems are in place yeah. to make it easier for everybody. How can we make navigate. it simpler? Yeah. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, okay. We like went, next we went went deep on wind slab. <laughs>
1: that was
0: good. Do you yeah. want to take the next one or fire away? Mm-hmm. All right. Let me, uh, we already talked about loose wet, right? Yeah. Okay.
1: You want uh, to talk about its cousin wet slab?
0: Yeah. Let's do wet. All
1: like right. That. So wet slabs are notoriously difficult to predict. And, the timing is really tough because it's when you have water percolating through the snowpack. Mm. Okay. And
0: real quick, what time of year are we
1: seeing this like
0: generally in Colorado? Okay. Well we're going to talk about the rest of the country too.
1: So we don't in Colorado, we don't often get rain events. Sure. Okay. But the Northwest, Mm. you know, two weeks ago, Washington,
0: Portland, (laughs) Oregon,
1: they got like eight to 12 inches of rain. So wet slab was definitely on the radar gnarly. Yeah. I mean, they just got fire hosed. And so anytime you have free water moving through the snowpack. So if we have conditions for loose wet, I'm like, ooh, it is possible we could also see a wet slab. And a smaller, more manageable wet slab might be that scenario we talked about where you have crust and it kind of forms like a steel roof, if you will. And maybe we can imagine this when we've seen snow slide off roofs on a hot day or when it gets rainy, hmm. um, because the, the metal roof doesn't let the water percolate through, and the water weakens the bonds and lubricates the snowpack, and it can slide off as a slab of relatively new snow. But where wet slabs are really nasty is when the water percolates through the snowpack until it hits the old snow layer, the persistent weak layer. Okay. And those could be one foot, two foot, three, four feet down. And those ones are super difficult to predict. And the, often the key indicator will be a couple nights without a freeze in the springtime, when you, get a real, mm. when you get the heat shock, where it's like, oh, these are the hottest days of the spring, and but it's, it's still not, not freezing. freezing at night. Right. And that water just keeps building up. And oftentimes there'll be a crust layer with facets or surface horror on top. So that crust layer is like a, a slick wooden floor. Hmm. And it doesn't let the water continue through. And then when the water hits that weak layer sitting on top of the crust, the water pools and it can run down the mountain until it triggers much farther. Basically, it's just
0: degrading that friction between the layers. Yeah, it's weakening the the bonds. What's What are like, what's. Well, you think
1: about like on a, you know, you get a lot of fresh snow on the trees or telephone poles and wires and stuff. And then the sun comes out and it gets hot. And then start starts falling off. Like- yeah, because they're weakening the bonds that hold it together. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So if you think of like, um, you know, we're all linked up with our arms, Red Rover, Red Rover, send David over. <laughs> and then in the heat, like we're in the, hanging out in the sauna and, and we're like, like, our bonds are like, oh, uh, we're cooked. <laughs> and then whatever. someone can blast through the, the chain and, you know, the, okay. the bonds of the chain are pretty weak.
0: If that makes sense. Yeah.
1: All right. Yep. Yeah. So a wet slab will happen when you've got uh, breaking the bonds, but there's still enough cohesion that the, you got the birthday cake slab. And they are very difficult, even for the experts, to pinpoint the time. Sure. But a couple markers would be, you know, like two nights, three nights of no freeze, or are we getting rain? Right. And when that rain penetrates through the snowpack, if it hits a weak layer, boom, mm. it, it launched off.
0: And that's got to be something, too, that, you know, you can't just, like, check in on the forecast that day. It's, like, you got to kind of have an idea of what the weather's been doing for, like, the last few days. Yeah. What, okay, so then going back to the spirit what an animal what is this i don't
1: know i mean maybe like an alligator or a crocodile where it's okay i just think because it's in the water <laughs> it's wet and if it's wet yeah and if you know if you're in australia and they're like oh mate don't go in the billabong eh? yeah <laughs> like uh like
0: you know that it's in there
1: yeah um but there is a level of unpredictability because um You know, it's really hard to pinpoint the timing for a wet slab. Very Mm -hmm. difficult. But certainly a warning sign for me is, hey, if we're seeing wet loose, that means we've got enough water penetrating through the snowpack that if there's a weak layer in there and that water goes deep enough, it could set something off. Or, um, you know, new snow sitting on, like, say, a crust or something like that. There's often a micro layer of facets above and below crusts. And this is getting pretty techy, but you know, you, you may not be able to readily observe it as a normal person. You may have to get out a magnifying loop and be kind of a snow geek and be familiar and be like, oh, yeah, there's a little layer of facets, like one millimeter of uh, facets. Yes. It's powder, one millimeter facets sitting on the crust. And when that water hits there, boom, you get the slab that oh, goes there off. Goes. Okay. So
0: alligator. We got alligator. We got bison. We got fox, coyote. Yeah. So that's four. Let's do persistent slab. Okay. Because this one, in my opinion, is like, like I don't know, Great White. Yeah. Or, or li- like uh, I almost said Lion King. Mountain Lion. <laughs> it's like the Lion <laughs> King. Um, it's just sitting there and then it goes.
1: Yeah. And when you look back and you read every single avalanche fatality in the last 10, 11 years, which we have good records for, you know, 95% of the deaths in Colorado are co- caused by the old snow problem. And that's persistent slab. If you're a snow geek, call it persistent slab or PWL, persistent weak layer. But if you're a normal person, it's just old snow.
0: Old snow problem. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I can't remember the name the number off the top of my head, but when you look at like the full data set from the US, it, it's like around 75-80% of the deaths are caused by old snow. So even if you live in a zone like say Tahoe or the Cascades where you rarely have to wrangle uh, old snow problems, when you do have those exceptional conditions like we've had this year, that's when people often get caught. And mm. so that's why it's such a disproportionately high killer. And it's the same thing in Europe. Like I lived in Chamonix for over 15 years, and those are the conditions that often get people because they're not used to it in that snow climate. Mm. Those old snow layers don't usually stick around because they get a lot of rain events that wipe them out, and then the snowpack resets, and then you're good to go start yeah and you often get warmer temps and more frequent storms so you just don't get like as much surface horror or or sugar you know faceting in the snowpack so that one i think of that as a mountain lion
0: yeah it's like it, it's like too late once you figure it out kind of
1: thing. <laughs> yeah often there's no feedback you don't see the sure. obvious signs of instability like cracking or one often the crack and warmth you get is the one that triggers the avalanche Right.
0: Okay. So then if that's a mountain lion, then what's like a deep persistent slab?
1: Sabertooth tiger. <laughs>
0: that's the, <laughs> I mean, that's basically just taking the old snow problem and stacking even more snow. Yeah. Just
1: putting it a deeper. Yeah. So, um, you know,
0: like last year, we kind of had that going on for the first part of the season, right? Because we got that, I don't know, like a meters. pretty good, pretty good <laughs> sized storm yeah. on top of some like garbage. early season garbage. Yeah. And then yeah. it was just, Everything, like, north and east was just sketch for, like, a month and a half or something. And
1: to be fair, like, the Europeans and Utah Avalanche Center, they've simplified the nine problems into five. Okay. And they just say, old snow problem. Puts those both together. Yeah, puts them both together. And then they just tell you roughly how deep it is in the snow. Because it
0: doesn't matter how big the the lion or the tiger is. Like, it's still going to be able to eat you.
1: (laughs) <laughs> exactly like <laughs> even if it's a juvenile mountain lion like baby shark's still a shark <laughs> <laughs> it's still a shark and it's <laughs> i'm still going to treat it with a lot of respect and Definitely. give it a wide berth oh sorry one thing to talk about that where you're most likely to trigger a persistent slab particularly a deep one is where the slab thins out slab isn't the same uniform depth sure and oftentimes you'll see this where there's a lot of wind loading over a sugar layer um And you might see that slab vary because of the wind loading. Could be one meter, two meters deep, and then it might taper down to a very shallow zone. And that's often near rocks where the snow isn't loaded up; it's more stripped out. And so that would be the place you're likely to trigger it because you can access the weak layer underneath the slab a lot easier. So this could be. So basically, what you're saying
0: is like there's just like this whole built up layer that's yep. getting thicker and thicker as it goes up, which is obviously creating a lot of pressure downhill. Yeah. A lot of load. And yeah. then because you're on the thinner zone, it's obviously easier for you to punch through that. And, yep. like, and that's you where can you get the weak layer, and get like, the collapse. One of the reasons these are so dangerous because those like remote triggering this yeah. is like so easy to do basically. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And oftentimes you'll find this under scary, moderate conditions where they're like hey we haven't seen any natural or human triggered avalanches in a couple of days we're dropping the danger to moderate but we know the structure is poor we know we've got an old snow problem covered by a big slab and if enough people are out there roosting around on snowmobiles or snowshoeing or riding on the snowboard uh, someone is likely to trigger one eventually
0: gotcha yeah, yeah and it's
1: so it's you still want to just be avoidance
0: like almost treating it as considerable at that point.
1: Oh, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, it's... Well, because that's, that's Nature also... doesn't like to be put in buckets. And when we say <laughs> as it's mod- moderate, yeah. moderate spans a huge spectrum of, sure. oh, this could be um, you know relatively small avalanches and low likelihood to, hey, um, you know today's the first day we're coming down from considerable. It's as close to considerable as we're going to get. And we have an old snow problem, and it's really scary because it's hard to predict when it'll be triggered, even by the professionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the best is like, hey, we're gonna avoid slopes that have the problem, and so that usually means staying on the sunny side of the compass, like south, southwest, west. Um, but oftentimes people will go exactly where the problem is because they're like, oh, that's where the best quality snow is on the shady side. Mm. Human's gonna human.
0: Humans getting human yeah okay so we got like the old snow problem we'll call it that yeah is, is kind of the great white of the mix is yeah what i'm getting on this one yeah okay so then the next one
1: let's do storm
0: slab storm slab
1: yeah let's go so storm slabs can span a couple different things um it's when you have new snow coming down and you'll often have uh it at all elevations and all aspects, because if there's a change in the snowpack density, so let's say it starts off cold and fluffy and it's just cold smoke, face shots, everybody's happy, but then it gets warmer and wetter. Now it's like snowball packing. Yeah. Okay. So you've got this strong over weak and you, that might be at all elevations and all aspects. And if you just got like, say, Oh, I don't know, five inches of snow, This can be kind of cool because it'll often be at the same angle, slope, where it's super sensitive. And as you approach the slope, you'll see this zipper line go out and everything will avalanche off. But if it's only a couple inches, you're like, oh, what a cute little coyote. And you're like, that is so cool. And you're seeing it in real time. And it's just the surface layer. And you're like, oh, I can sense that the snow is getting a little denser. Maybe I can make snowballs out of it. Um, And that can be really cool, but very low risk to us, relatively speaking. But let's imagine that scenario where we've got a meter of snow and the first foot and a half is cold and fluffy. Mm. And then the top is thick, heavier for a foot and a half. You know, that's a lot of snow moving and that can be super dangerous. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one because it's not there's there's like a whole spectrum of that exact problem. Yeah, like, even, hey, this is like kind the of same amusing and Cool. Yeah. to check out or like oh shit. Like this is Armaged- the real Armaged- deal. Armageddon slab yeah. going on like Yeah. Yeah, so Yeah. Well, that's a tricky one, dude. What's the spirit of all of this? Oh boy, that's a it's an interesting one. Harmless to to extremely deadly jellyfish. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> jellyfish. <laughs> Like a swarm of jellyfish. Yeah. If you just have one, it's painful. But if you've got, it's like a sea of jellyfish, and you're just like swimming through a school of them. Is a school of jellyfish? A herd, a gaggle, a pod, a murder of jellyfish. No, that's crows, dude. I know. But why couldn't it be jellyfish? Do you know it's a stripe of tigers?
0: I did not know that.
1: A spot of leopards, or a leap of leopards. The best, my favorite one.
0: Look this shit up. My favorite one is a blessing of unicorns. Oh, like that's a real thing.
1: But we digress. Right. Okay. Okay.
0: So maybe jellyfish pod.
1: Yeah, where if you just have a, you know, if you have a, a couple inches, not many jellyfish, you're like, oh, this is this is a little bit painful. This is avoidable. Yeah, but I can get out of here. Yeah. Whereas if you've got, say, more than, say, 30 centimeters, like a foot of snow, then you're like, ooh, this could get serious in a hurry. Yeah, Gotcha. There's too many jellyfish for me to manage. Too many jellies, dude. You got to get out of here. (laughs) Nice. Uh, Maybe maybe a group of jellyfish are called a jar.
0: Jar jelly. Jar jelly. Jar jelly and jam. All right. Well, then. Okay. Dude, I can't even remember all that. I can't remember all the problems we've gone through. Glide crack
1: is next, maybe.
0: Glide crack, and then we have one more, right? We have cornice. Yeah, cornice. All right. Yeah.
1: Which one do you want to do first? Let's do glide crack. Okay. T- so walk well, me we through it. All right. So glide cracks are funny because they—it doesn't necessarily mean the snowpack is weak. Often it's the opposite. It's quite strong, but the surface of it on is very slippery. So it could be steep grass, or it could be a rock slab. And it'll creep down the mountain slowly, kind of like a glacier. Mm. And I remember when I was living in Chamonix, I was teaching an avalanche course for the British IFMGA guides. And it was super cold, like below zero in the mornings and you know, maybe got into the teens, if. And we'd look across the valley and that glide crack kept getting bigger and bigger every day like, over the course. And you could see it. Yeah,
0: like with your naked and, eye. It wasn't and like- if you
1: were riding along, you would have fallen in the crevasse okay. two meters deep and hit the grass and been like, what the heck just happened? So with right. cracks, they're actually really easy. You see them, you just avoid them. It's there. Yeah, and nobody really knows when they're going to cut loose. And if they tell you they do, they're full of it. <laughs> but where they're more likely to cut loose is when you got moisture running through the snowpack, water moving through the snowpack, and the bonds are weakening. Uh, so a rain event or really hot, Day, but they can certainly cut loose when it's well below freezing.
0: And Mm. it's just
1: because they, you know, the the ground is warm because the center of the earth has got liquid hot magma and that heat is radiating out into space. And so the ground, if it's covered by a foot of snow, is always about 48 degrees, give or take. Mm. So the grass gets a little wet or the rock slab gets a little wet and it just kind of peels off. Um, so, you know, I just won't ski under a glide crack. Just, just, just not going to do stop. it. Yeah. It's not going to do it. I mean, and people are like, well, what seems, are the odds it's going to break loose today? And you're like, you know, that's exactly what everyone who's, everyone <laughs> who's been caught in a glide crack avalanche said, you're like, <laughs> it's going to happen to somebody. I
0: know that it's not zero. Yeah. So I'm just going to avoid it. all. Yeah. Yet. Let me just get my revolver. We're just going to put
1: one <laughs> in the chamber and we're just going to roll
0: it. Just hand... Yeah. Do you bring pistols with you on your... Uh, usually, a standard guy protocol. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I mean, that. this is America. Right. Yeah. Even in Europe, though. It's surprising the guys. Well, yeah. They- Switzerland's so really pretty big on guns, though. Different culture, but...
1: Uh, it's because, like, every male is part of the army, but... Uh, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It's funny that the... Um, like, this
0: problem is so interesting because it's, it's an <laughs> obvious one.
1: Super obvious. But you never...
0: You actually never know whether or not it could go. So it's like-
1: I'm gonna call this a bull elephant. We're on safari. Okay. All right. Um, and you see it from a long distance. And if you don't get near it- Like it's fine. You're fine. Like there's almost yeah. 0% chance it's
0: gonna mess with you.
1: Yeah. Just don't, don't be under Just it. don't go over there. Yeah.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. I like that. And
1: it's, it's funny. Hey, I remember reading a, a close call uh, in France, that wiped out a bunch of folks. And the, the folks in their article were saying how it was their intuition saved them because they were like, we got to get off the slope right now. And he was like, well, they've been skinning under the glide crack for three hours. Hmm. And it's like, it wasn't your intuition saved you, it was luck because you could seen it from the car park. Just don't tangle with glide cracks. And th- that's not a knock on these folks. And I don't even know who they are, but it's just how the human mind works. Totally. It's like we're, the Danny Kahneman It won't happen to us. Yeah, it won't happen to us. You know, the number one human factor trap is over-optimistic confidence. It's like, well, we're really fast. We'll skin up there in two hours. What's the likelihood it's going to be? The temperature won't change at all. Yeah. And, you know, you can do that once and get away with it. But if you're out there on a regular basis, and for me, my exposure time is huge at this point because I think- uh, you know, it's three decades plus sure. of avalanche. Thirty train. years of yeah, hundred
0: plus days a year.
1: Yeah, so now, like those like, outliers, you're getting into the like the really weird shit. is you're just, like, likely that's to your happen. Zone. Yeah, or like Hunter S. Thompson. Oh, I love this quote. He says, uh, "When the going gets weird, the weird turn pro." <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's yeah. So shit is getting weird be- because I'm out there so many days over the course of a winter. I might be an avalanche train a hundred days a year I and mean, do that for thirty years. Yeah. I mean, that's, you're pretty much like
0: bound by probability at this point to be in the weird zone. Yeah.
1: And that's to crazy. be fair, like, you know, guides are some of the most at risk folks. Sure. Uh, just the number of days are out there. Yeah. So you're more likely to run into something weird over your career when you're out there that much. Of course. Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> Makes perfect sense, Jeff. Yeah. All um, right. Cornice? Right. The last one we got, I think, is cornice.
1: Yeah. And this is pretty similar in that, um, you know, it's usually not a surprise. Sure. You can see him coming along. Yep. You can see him. below. You can see them. Yep. And if it's in the avalanche bulletin and we don't have visibility that day because it's storming, we might just have to be like, hey, we're going to be above tree line. There's ridges up there. Mm. There's a cornice problem. You know what? We're just not going to know. Let's not. Let's not tangle with it. So is that like something you just like stay lower
0: angle then or you like, or go like, what's your, what's your move in that?
1: Yeah. How do you manage it? Yeah. What's the actionable, what action steps besides, can I take? Besides, obviously like not standing
0: on top of it once yeah. you do come across one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's two parts. Let's, let's assume we're underneath. Sure. We're riding in the flats or approaching. Um, if we can see it, don't go under it and you, like, don't
0: go right under it. Don't go a,
1: a, a long thousand way, feet under it. You guys. If that breaks off, it's going to be a massive trigger on the slope.
0: And right, even if we're just, at low
1: danger, it still might trigger an avalanche because it's bombs after, you know, tons of Huge TNT amount of weight with, all at once, basically. Yeah, like it could be a school bus or like three or four school bus going at once. And sometimes
0: it's yeah, that, that a doesn't cliff,
1: matter. vertical cliff, so it's accelerating at a <laughs> rapid rate, and then it hits the slope a 1,000 feet below. So then it's literally a
0: bomb at that point.
1: Bomb and a bomb, 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 bomb. Bomb, bomb, yeah. bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as basically as far away as you can from below. You want to be out of the runout zone. Yeah. Okay. And you know, this happened to me where I was in Norway and the Arctic up in Lofoten and you know, we just had to turn around. I was like, Hey, it was a tough one for me with the clients because we had our heart set on this tour and we had to change course and ski something else. Hmm. But you know, it's like, well, you just can't weave through here. Live to ski another day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I think
0: you told me like that story another time where it was like kind of surrounding you, right? Yeah. Like with like you're like, on you know, all sides. It was you're like, just like, oh my god! Like this is we're done. Not gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And then you know the the other case is let's say we're on a ridge line, and we've got the cornice on our right, and there's a real simple rule about how cornices break off, and they always break off much farther back than I thought. <laughs> much farther back. Gotcha. And you know, I've had plenty of close calls uh and and seen friends almost go for the ride where it cracks right between their They're spies. like
0: stopping and it just goes yeah. Sh-
1: sh- yeah, exactly. And these are super experienced people or even guides. Sure. and and you know, nature is just very unpredictable. So, um a couple ways to manage that. It's like here's what you do to take action. Make sure that I'm on firm ground and often the snow will be stripped from one side and loaded where the cornice is. So if we're skinning on like grass or there's rocks or trees between me and the cornice, that gives me some pretty good data points to say I'm not attached to it. I'm on the ground. Yeah. Not on the snow. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and it, it, if you don't know, you're probably wrong. <laughs> um, and you know, another way to do it is take out your probe and you can look like sense- as, as you're getting, yeah, like Kinda. if you're on a foot of snow, that's pretty low risk. Sure. But now, if you're on like three feet of snow, you're like, oh, like, I'm, that cornice could take me with it. You're going with, yeah, yeah, totally. exactly. That's a good,
0: yep. yeah, that's a good call on that one.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and oftentimes, like March, April, you'll see cracks, like a, a crevasse opening up, and sometimes, you know, those might be like five, six, seven feet deep, something like that.
0: Yeah, because I guess the really hard thing about cornices is like, if you're standing on top of it you don't have a good view of what you're on top of. Yeah. It's totally blind. Like, yeah, you don't know if it's a blind rollover. Yeah. You don't know if you're on the part, you know, like that's directly ground right under you So hard to tell. or if you're like literally hovering in the air.
1: Yeah. It's a really tricky human factor trap because, uh, we're usually overly optimistic in our confidence and it just doesn't mean the confidence doesn't mean crap. Sure. And we just don't know. And so unless you have these action steps where you're like, I'm skinning on grass, right. or there's rocks and trees between me and the cornice, or I've taken my probe out and we're on less than a foot of snow, you kind of have to assume you're going to go with the cornice if it breaks.
0: Gnarly. Yeah. So then what's, what's the spirit animal? Or you, would that would be? you know,
1: they're, they're easy to see from a distance, but Hard to resist. So, <laughs>
0: <Hard> to resist. <laughs> so, so then what's that? What animal is hard for you to resist when you see it at a distance? Mm. You just want to go give it a smooch.
1: A <laughs> smooch. Like a llama? A
0: llama? I actually
1: had a llama come up and smooch me once. Right. It was really. <laughs> Wait, weird. hold up, hold up.
0: <laughs> Are llamas that dangerous?
1: <laughs> you know, like they're annoying, I, I don't they'll come so. spit
0: on you, but like they can't kill you. Or they usually don't kill you, right? They're a low risk. Kill you with kindness? They're a low risk animal, Jeff.
1: Yeah, I would think so too. Yeah. So
0: is there a like harmless normally but could be very deadly creature.
1: Mm, what do we think? Like if
0: you're like it's over there.
1: Oh, we just used the elephant already. Here's an idea. I you know like I would say horses are usually pretty gentle around humans. Okay. However, startle them. Yeah, you don't want to startle them and you you don't want to like walk around behind them, right? Mm. If you get too close, they could kick back. Right. And that could be really serious. So you got to give them a wide berth. And be like, hey, I know, because I can judge the distance, I'm out of their, their, like, leg kick zone, and then a few more feet, just to be certain. Gotcha. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah? As someone who's, like, pretty wary
0: of horses in general. I am too. Like, like I find them intimidating, so.
1: They're like 1,000 pounds.
0: Yeah, and they hurt a lot when they bite you. Oh. Have you been bitten? I just, when I was, like, seven, I fit a, Fid. I fed a horse an apple uh-huh. and nobody told me to go like that. Oh, right, right. So, so I, I'm like a little like that and it just yeah. chomped on me. And ever since then I've been like, you guys are crafty. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Taking yeah. advantage of those little yeah. kids. My, my
1: daughter's way into horses and she's like, dad, the horse can sense your fear. fear. <laughs> your fear. And, so don't be scared. And I'm like, well. You're like, okay,
0: well we're past that. Yeah. <laughs> we're, just, we're starting in a bad spot. That's funny. Well, Winter's pretty brave, so. She is. Yes, yeah. uh, cool, man. I think, wait, are we done? Did we sum everything up? We got coyote. We got fox. We got bison.
1: Jellyfish.
0: Jellies. Horses. You did bull elephant. Yeah. And then we got saber-toothed tiger.
1: Yeah. Which I got to say, there's something to it, like the way the Utah Avalanche Center or Europe does it, where they just have five problems. Sure. And so they'll kind of consolidate um, just to keep it simpler, because even as a guide, like holding that many in my head, um, it's pretty tough. And of course. when you're reading the forecast, if there's one avalanche problem, OK, that's a little bit easier to manage. But if you have like two or three, they'll give you the the map, the kind of the model mm-hmm. of where they expect to find the problems. And we need to verify that model. Yeah, but. That kind of aerial view of the volcano mountain has 24 pie slices. It's a lot of zones. There's a lot of zones. And then if you've got three of those, uh, I was told there'd be no math on this podcast, but I think that's 72.
0: Oh, you're saying you have three problems
1: across yeah, we might have all the zones storm slab, persistence slab, right. and I don't know, pick your choice. Wind loading, <laughs> cordless, whatever, yeah. right? And you're just like, sweet baby Jesus, I can't hold that in my head. Sure. Yeah. So you know, I think that's one of the things that I like about using the app when I'm guiding um, is Aspect Avy gears the low risk and high risk zones mm. for the worst problems that you could expect to encounter, just like the bulletin. And it's like overbuilt. Yeah, it it's very conservative, so it gives me a margin of error, and when I'm guiding. I'm dealing with something as crazy as unpredictable as the avalanches and that's six people. Sure. And I don't have them on a rope like I do when I'm rocking. Right. Guy. And you
0: don't know how good they are, how capable they are, how they handle themselves. And in an usually
1: emergency. if you're out with your family and friends and it's one of those days and you're just losing your mind because the snow is so good. Yeah. Following the explicit directions of the guide may not be top on your list.
0: Mm.
1: Right. And you may high. be in a, Yeah. In a rational, irrational place, because you're just having the best day of your lives, and you're sharing this with people you love. Totally. And so, I really enjoy having a stress-free gui- day of guiding using the Aspect Abby because there's a lot of buffers built in right. to counter the fact that humans are going to human, we're going to lose our minds out there, or we're not going to be able to remember seventy-two pie slices and how to manage these problems differently because I think what we've illustrated is these are incredibly nuanced and complex alone. And then if you start adding multiple problems in the bulletin, it is really hard to manage all of them. Yeah. Well, damn near
0: impossible. <laughs> I <would laughs> yeah, say. Exactly. I know for me, just as someone who's a capable skier, uh-huh. but I am aware that I'm like a, a novice when it comes to like understanding snowpack and that kind of thing like that's a pretty dangerous mix. And so like, I actually, I really appreciate having this conversation because it it helps me kind of visualize these problems that, especially some of the problems that we don't really get here as much here in Colorado. Right. You know, like I said, I've only toured here. So like I've only experienced kind of like three or four of those big ones. Yep. Yep. And so I think it's, at least for me and hopefully for people who listen or watch this, like helps them kind of visualize or understand a little more of what's going on around them.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think one of those things is like uh, the climate and weather bets are all off. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, you know, we saw some massive wet slab cycles go off last spring in Colorado and it caught the forecasters by surprise. Sure. And part of that was because we had a really thick dust layer so it soaked up oh, way right. more heat yeah yeah and brought a lot more water through the snowpack quicker than normal
0: yeah that was so
1: intense. we're starting to see weather events that are beyond our human experience even by the experts hmm. you know last winter was the biggest snow year in Utah's history no yeah, one like inches. alive yeah. has ever seen a winter like that wait it was the biggest the biggest
0: oh are you sure yeah that's, I I'm a guy. Of course, it, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm an internationally certified guy. You know, uh, uh, you know that's cr- I didn't know it was the biggest one on record. I thought it was like a w- top 10 or no, top no, five. No, no, the biggest. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, like, that's unprecedented. People
1: yeah, don't. Exactly. So, um, you know, one thing we have to remember is exceptional weather conditions produce exceptional avalanches. Mm. And so, when we're seeing weather events that are beyond our experience, we can expect to see avalanche events that are also beyond our experience. And that's where it's really helpful to draw on a really big data set. Sure. Because uh, as many days as I've been out in the field, um, you know, now I'm likely to encounter the really weird stuff. And that's where we're pulling on with Aspect It's a very large data set that is beyond one person's, even if they're an expert's experience, hmm. their lifetime of experience.
0: Well, shoot, man. I feel like we can end it there. Like that's- Yeah, and like one, one thing I'd add
1: is say like, hey, this this is really complex topic, all the different avalanche problems. Right. And I hope this normalizes the fact that uh, it's really hard even for the pros to hold this all in their head. And if you struggle with this, congratulations, you're human. (laughs) Everybody does.
0: Yeah.
1: Everybody does. And hopefully, um, you know, we've given you some action steps that you can remember for each one and maybe a spirit animal to kind of associate with it and be like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mnemonic device. Yeah. But also keep in mind that, um, because it is so complex, um, the app is there to support you. Nice. And do the heavy lifting for you so that you can focus on managing the terrain and your team through the terrain. Nice.
0: Well, hell yeah, man. What do you think? How's the first pod how was the first episode? How do you feel?
1: it uh, feels good because I'm just rapping with Dave. That's what's up. All
0: right. Well, <laughs> uh, I don't really have I haven't come up with like a cool outro for this yet. Maybe we can brainstorm that this week. But uh, uh,
1: I'll ideate on that. Ideate? Yeah. Nice. Concept yeah. it. Ideate by idiots.
0: That's what we should call this. <laughs> you got, you got anything else to wrap this whole.
1: Sure. Whole thing um, up? It's super complex to hold all those in your head and even for the professionals. So, you know, you can lean on the app to help with that. With these stuff. Yeah, exactly. Make it more simple. Um, Cause the, the algorithms geared to take a very conservative approach to each problem type. Um, and then, uh, We'll see you in the backcountry.
0: Thank you so much for listening to All Aspects. If you like what we're doing here, please leave a rating and review. It really is the best way to help others find the show. Thanks again to our business daddy, Aspect Abbey, for making this show possible. To learn more about how Aspect Abbey is making avalanche safety simple, go to aspectabbey.com. If you want to use this powerful new tool on your next backcountry adventure, simply download the app from the App Store and enjoy 30 days free on them. Lastly, Special thanks to Ice Lab for helping us produce this show. You guys rock, and we couldn't do it without you. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you in the backcountry.